Let's talk today about less religion, more relationship. The Bible states that when you are born again, God gives you a gift. Romans 6 verse 23 says, The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That gift is defined. It's defined by the Bible because it's the Bible explaining and interpreting the Bible. In John 17, verse 3, it says, now this is eternal life. In other words, here's the definition of the gift you received when you were born again and got saved. This is eternal life, <clears throat> that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you sent. And the Greek word that we in English have interpreted as know in this verse is the same word used for Joseph did not know Mary until Jesus was born. Matthew chapter 1, verse 25. In other words, he did not have marital relations with her until she gave birth to a son whom he named Jesus. So we have been given the supernatural ability to have a personal relationship, to intimately know God the Father and Jesus Christ. Talking intimacy, becoming one with each other. So the Christian faith is not a religion. It's an intimate, personal relationship with the living God. The Christian faith then, by my definition, and I've had this definition for a number of years, the Christian faith is a daily, ever-deepening, very dynamic, personal, unique, because you are unique, intimate love relationship with God the Father and Jesus Christ whom he sent. It's empowered and enabled by the Holy Spirit and lived out in long-term committed relationships with other disciples who follow Jesus in a local family of God called the church. So my point is Christianity is not about holding to a list of rules and rituals and regulations. It's a personal relationship with God and with others who also value their relationship with the living God. That's a very important distinction that we're making between religion and relationship and influences how we view the Christian faith. On the one hand, you have religion. On the other hand, you have a relationship. If it's religion, you are called a Christian. In a relationship, you would really be called a disciple. In religion, it's personal and private. In a relationship, it's corporate with life lived together. In religion, you believe and then you belong. In a relationship, you belong and then you come to a point where you believe. In religion, a person is a disciple after they become born again. Discipleship starts when they're saved. In relationship, discipleship starts when you first become spiritually hungry and ask that first spiritual question. In religion, we're pumping out head knowledge, information, but in a relationship, your heart is touched, and anything that you learn brings transformation. So there is a huge difference, just looking at the big picture, between religion and relationship. And the Christian faith is a relationship with God and each other.
there are four main elements of the Christian faith. Number one, the Bible, of course, God's written word. Number two, prayer, communicating, relating to God. Number three, fellowship, uh, fellowshipping or relating to God and to others. And number four, ministry, sharing his love with others. Let's talk about each one of those individually. Because the issue that I see is that many people have these four elements in their life, but follow them religiously, legalistically, as rules to be followed. You know, three chapters of the Bible every morning, daily prayer with a time of worship, church attendance at least once a week, coffee with other believers before or after the service. And believers often feel guilty or out of sorts if they miss doing any one of these three or four or five things, rules, regulations. So, when you do these things because you have to, because somebody told you you should, then they have literally become a religion. A born-again religion, but a religion nonetheless. A religion is a situation where you are following a set of rules, regulations, rituals, rigmarole that we follow to be right with God and the church, or with others, in other words. And because we have, been, we have a born-again religion and not a focused personal love relationship with God, the four basic elements of the Christian faith get all messed up. So let's look at these four basic elements of the faith, comparing a religious approach with a relational or relationship approach. Number one, the Bible, God's written word. If you're holding to a religion, then you're reading your Bible because you are told you must, or you should. Somehow that was communicated to you. When I was first born again, the general rule was to read three chapters a day. Then you read the Bible. If you are following a born-again religion, you read the Bible to gain information. You read the Bible to get to know the basic stories of the faith. You read the Bible to fulfill an obligation of the faith. You read the Bible because it makes you feel good. And you read the Bible as if there is a test to pass before you can get into heaven. You know, name Noah's three sons from the oldest to the youngest. Religion causes the Bible to become a head thing. However, if you're working on developing and deepening your personal and unique relationship with God, you read the Bible simply to get to know the author better, not for more information, not for more knowledge. You read the Bible to give God's Word an opportunity to change your heart, to bring transformation in the inner heart, in your spirit, which then will bring change in your life. You read the Bible because it's life-giving, and you hunger for it. In Matthew 4.4, 4, Jesus said, Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And the word comes in that verse in the Greek is a tense we don't have in English. And it should read, Every word that continuously proceeds or comes from the mouth of God. 
It's a daily thing. Like we eat daily food to nourish our body every day, we are to receive spiritual food for our spirit and our soul every day. So you read the Bible because it's life-giving and you hunger for it. You read the Bible to hear the voice of God speaking to you personally. In your Bible, the word word is translated from two different Greek words. Logos, the Word of God generic, written on the pages of Scripture. Your mind, and it's good for information. It aims at your mind, and it's good for information. But the second way we get the word, word, is translating the Greek word rhema. And rhema is the Word of God spoken to you personally in your current situation or circumstance. And this doesn't go to your mind, it touches your heart, and it's needed for transformation, for life change. So you read the Bible to build your relationship with God and to personally hear him speak to you, as well as so that you can come to know him, his heart, his character better. Romans chapter 10, verse 17 in the New American Standard Bible says, So faith comes from hearing, and hearing by the word of Christ. And the word, word there in that verse is rhema in the Greek, God personally speaking to you. So you read the Bible to allow your faith to grow. You could read the Bible, and if it never lights up, catches fire for you, never speaks directly to your heart, it doesn't ever bring a revelation, then you don't grow in your faith. So you read the Bible to receive revelation, God revealing things to you personally. So religion says, read three chapters a day and learn information so that your head is crammed full of this new knowledge. Relationship says, hear God speak to you personally through his word and let it transform your heart and your life and increase your faith. So it doesn't matter how much you read. What matters is that God speaks to you through what you read. It gives you a revelation that brings transformation or change in your life. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any double-edged sword, piercing even to the point of dividing soul from spirit and joints from marrow. It is able to judge the desires and thoughts of the heart. Jesus himself said, the words that I have spoken to you are spirit and they are life. That's John 6, 63. Thus they should be touching your spirit and imparting and releasing life, the life of God. In the Greek, that would be zoe. John chapter 1, verse 4, in Jesus was life, the zoe, the very nature of God. And that life, that zoe, was the light of men. That's the whole purpose of the Bible. The second element of our relationship in religion and in our relationship with God is prayer. Religion says, pray this way. Pray this written prayer. You need a prayer list of needs and wants, like a shopping list you go to God with, and you have prayer for others we know and that we love. Religious people have a set time to pray, and they do so religiously every day. 
It's a general rule to follow if you are a good believer. Religious people come to God and ask the Father for what they need. And it is often the same list over and over and over again. Religious people initiate the conversation and choose the topics they are talking to God about, that they're praying about. Paul writes to the Galatians, and in Galatians chapter 3, verse 3, he states, Are you so foolish? The real Greek, the real translation of the Greek word there is, How can you be so stupid? But more politely, Are you so foolish? Although you began with the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by human effort? So how did we begin? How did we get saved? Well, we found Jesus. No, you didn't. He was not lost. You were. He found you. 5 verse 8 says, But God demonstrates his own love for us, and that while we were still sinners, not thinking about God, not thinking about getting saved, Christ died for us. In other words, God initiated, he sent Jesus, and we responded and received the gift of eternal life. So Paul asks, having begun this way, with God initiating and we responding, why now, why now in prayer do you reverse that and you initiate and expect God to respond? Religious people initiate and expect God to respond like a good servant or a heavenly butler. People who have a relationship with God understand that he is God and we are not. And so they let God speak first and then respond to what we hear him speak. So in our relationship, not in our religion, but in our relationship with God, prayer is less about receiving and more about hearing and responding. Then we will change. Then we will grow. Then we will develop and mature. And more importantly, then our prayers will be answered because we are praying according to his word, according to his will. 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 and 15. And this is the confidence that we have before God, that whatever we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in regard to whatever we ask, then we know that we have the request that we have asked from him. So there should never be a no answer to our prayers because we're asking according to his word and his will. Interesting thought. Religious prayer, then, is pastoral. It's about us, our needs, our wants, and about other people's needs. Relational prayer is prophetic. We respond to what God has revealed prophetically to us and pray according to his rhema words to us. So Bible reading and study and prayer are all about us changing and growing, maturing and being equipped, and more importantly, deepening our relationship with God. The third aspect I want to look at, or the third element, is fellowship. Religion gives us opportunity to fellowship with each other as we gather for religious events like worship, teaching, prayer, and Bible study. We share with each other as the program moves forward. 
being careful, of course, to keep it on a surface level, as we really don't know each other well. We don't trust other Christians, so we try not to get too personal. And we don't believe that others really care, so why share? So everything is on a surface level. You know, there are basically three levels of sharing. Public, personal, and private. Some things you can share publicly, some things you share personally with a friend, some things you don't share. They're private things. And so, in religion, we work at keeping everything on the public level, the surface level of sharing. So we have a cup of coffee, and we share fellowship with others. And the conversation stays safe, impersonal, and definitely not about Jesus. When we see the Christian faith as a matter of relationships and not a religion, not a set of beliefs, then we see fellowship totally different. In 1 John chapter 1, verses 1 to 3, This is what we proclaim to you, what was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at and our hands have touched concerning the word of life, and the life was revealed. And we have seen and testify and announce to you the eternal life that was with the Father and was revealed to us. What we have seen, what we have heard, we announce to you too, so that you may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. This is saying that we have, each of us have, a relationship with God. And so we individually share fellowship with God the Father and with Jesus. And then built on the basis of our personal relationship with him, we can come together and share fellowship with each other. And that fellowship with each other involves him because he is there when two or three are gathered in his name. That's Matthew 18, verse 20. The topic of our coffee fellowship is what we have seen, what we have heard, and what we have touched concerning the word of life, Jesus. And in this fellowship, we share with each other what we have seen, heard, and touched during our personal time of fellowship with him. We share our revelation, our new understanding, what God has spoken to us. The fellowship is primarily with the Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians 13, 14 if you have a newer version, it's chapter 13, verse 13. And it reads, The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. So we are called to fellowship with God the Holy Spirit. And fellowship has three basic actions or meanings. First, to socially interact with the Spirit, in other words, see, hear, touch, and respond. Secondly, to partner with Him, remembering that we are the junior partner. He is God, we are not. And then thirdly, becoming involved in what the Spirit is currently doing during your day. Then, when we come together with others, relationships with other believers, you have amazing things to share and talk about true God-based fellowship. So relationships are foundational to the Bible, to reading and studying the Word, 
to prayer, hearing God's voice and responding, and to fellowship, having a common worldview and experience with other believers. And fourthly, the fourth element is ministry, sharing the love of God with others, believers and non-believers. In religion, ministry can be, and usually is, very impersonal. A priest ministers the sacraments. You don't really know him. A pastor counsels you, and you have only a fairly surface relationship with him. A person prays for you at a prayer meeting or in a prayer line. You might not even know them at all. A person witnesses to a stranger and shares the gospel. No relationships, no depth of relationships. In the Christian faith, all ministry is always based in and arises out of relationships. First, our relationship with God in whose name and by whose power we minister. Then our relationships with others, both saved and unsaved. Ministry is the overflow of the love and the life that we experience in our relationship with the Spirit. God pours his love into our hearts when we are born again, Romans 5.5. 5. We then walk in that love and give it away. That's ministry. But it starts from our relationship with God, who is love. Philippians 1 verse 9 says, And may the Lord make your love to grow and overflow to each other, to the Christians, and then to everyone else. And you can't give what you have not got, so you need to be developing your relationship with God. Jesus told us in John chapter 13, verse 35, Everyone will know by this that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. So as we share with others with whom we have a relationship, we share his love and his life. That's Zoe. Ministry, then, is based in relationships. Ministry is walking in God's love and giving it away to people that we have relationships with. So there are four elements or four aspects of the Christian life. The Bible, prayer, fellowship, and ministry. In religion, these are simply programs Things we do that don't have any life and little real love. We follow the rules, we follow the regulations, we involved in the rituals, and we have many traditions. But when you have a Christian faith based and founded in relationships, these same four elements are very powerful and life-changing. The Bible is where you hear God speak to you personally a rhema word. You receive revelations. You grow and are changed from the inside out as the word brings change to your heart. Then there's prayer, and you hear God speak, and you respond, because you now know God's plan and current purpose, and so therefore your prayers are dynamic and always answered as you pray according to his word. And then you have fellowship, and it's with him, and then the Holy Spirit. And then you can share what you've seen and heard and touched with others. Sharing fellowship with others then encourages and brings believers together as we share on a very meaningful and personal level.
and then there's ministry, and that's the overflow of all of the above, so others will be touched and changed, even saved. The Christian faith is built on relationships, our personal relationship with God, and then our relationships with others, believers and non-believers. So much different and more powerful than religion. We've been talking about less religion, more relationship. Really, we should have called it no religion, all relationship.